Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Welcome to Unfair with your favorite solo host, Jimmy. You could have been doing anything else in the world, but you chose to ride with us, and we appreciate that. It's solo weekend, so I will take the wheel myself to navigate you through the sports landscape of the hottest topics, late-breaking news, things that make no sense, and a few things that might surprise you. And as always, you can catch us on WMQG Radio throughout the week. My solo weekend episode is sponsored by Clutch Culture. In life, there are moments when you are needed the most, and Clutch Culture is aspiring to bring you just that. With hats and t-shirts available to remind folks who's clutch and who isn't, you can bring that culture into your lifestyle by checking out their website, www.clutch-culture.com. So we got a lot to get into today on this Thanksgiving weekend. Hope everybody had a very happy Thanksgiving. It's been a very fast year. Hopefully everyone was safe as far as traveling, as far as COVID. We're still dealing with that. So it's good to have y'all in for a quick uh, solo weekend episode. I will have my Frozen Five at the end of the episode. We look forward to getting back on the winning track. But first, I have three points that I would love to make before I get to my Frozen Five picks. Point number one. Yes, once again, the Dallas Cowboys are in trouble. You know, they lost their, who really is the foundation of their pass rush without Demarcus Lawrence, and that was Randy Gregory. He's a player that we didn't really talk about very much because of the types of plays that Trayvon Diggs was making and Michael Parsons was making and how good the offense has been and what Dallas' record has been. But this is how this Dallas team's this is how the team fools you. And this is what makes them one of the most interesting teams in the NFL because throughout the season, it's like we can never figure out just who is the most impactful player on this team. Like last year, we were talking about the offense. It went from, okay, Dak is the most valuable player. Then it went to, no, Zeke is the most valuable player. Then it went to, no, Tyron Smith is the most valuable player. And it ended up being either of the three. I would say probably Tyron Smith because he's the anchor of that defense in a sense um, in the trenches where it all starts in the offensive line. And the defense is the exact same way. For as great as Trayvon Diggs has been in moments this year, and as spectacular as he's been, and as great as Micah Parsons, I mean, one of the, the best draft picks, I mean, obviously easily probably defensive player of the of the year as far as the rookie goes, defensive player of the year, um, as great as he's been, it was actually Randy Gregory getting the pressure on the defensive line that was probably the most impactful defensive player on this Dallas team because without him, I mean, the defense was pretty much in shambles against what is really, let's just admit it, the Vegas Raiders. They are what we thought they were. After week four, they went back to being the Raiders, very up and down, very hot and cold, not a very good team. And they got 36 on them, albeit including overtime. But the Dallas Cowboy defense couldn't do anything to stop Derek Carr. Again, making him look like Tom Brady, which he's not. And that's because they didn't have Randy Gregory. 
And what that led to is it led to those problems that we saw in the secondary with all those offensive pass interference calls, primarily Anthony Brown. Now, yes, obviously he played a very bad game. The worst, it's probably as bad as any cornerback can do in the NFL is getting four pass interference calls, and most of which I believe were actually on third down. So that made it even worse. But without Randy Gregory, without that push um, on the defensive line, that made everybody's job harder. I mean, that defense did the best that they could. Michael Parsons, Trayvon Diggs, I guess to some degree Anthony Brown. It's not like he wanted to make those pass interference calls and that he wasn't trying. He was doing the best that he could. But that just made everything that much tougher, not having Randy Gregory, who had covered up for them not having Demarcus Lawrence this season. So now without him uh, due to injury, and I think it's going to be another couple of weeks at the earliest before he can get back, this defense is going to continue to struggle. And this was one of the best defenses in football with him, honestly. And now, you know, we see what, how Dallas is going to have to play in order to overcome that. They're just going to have to score a lot of points. They're going to have to score at least 30 um, and then hope that that's enough, that the defense can maybe force a three and out here in a crucial moment or get a turnover here in this crucial moment, but to find a way to hold them off as best as possible, let the offense work, and then try to get your victories that way. But Randy Gregory has shown us in this game, I only needed to see one game to see how – tremendous his impact was on this team and hopefully Dallas gets him back soon as they try to make their way into the playoffs but with this game as well probably the biggest story emerging from this game is the amount of penalties that were called in this game uh, 28 total 14 apiece so at least it was even at least in terms of the uh, amount of flags that each team got even though the penalty yardage was heavier on the Dallas side of things and that's a big part of the reason why they ended up losing the game in overtime 36 to 33 but after that you know and Jerry Jones was guilty of this so was Mike McCarthy I'm sure a lot of the Dallas players Dallas fans they put that loss squarely on the shoulders of the refs but I think that this was actually more predictable than it seemed because coming into this game, you had Sean Hockley, who's one of the lead refs. He's been a ref um, and been the leader of a, a ref and crew in the NFL for years. Um, his crew was officiating the game. And teams know who's officiating the game or what crew is doing this weeks in advance. So Sean Hockley's crew um, going into this game has called the third most penalties or the third most flags of any crew in the NFL and the fifth most penalty yards. So going into this game, they should have already known that this is the type of crew that's going to call the game tight, and we've got to really be on top of our fundamentals, and we've got to you know, do the best we can not to try to get away with some of the penalties that we are able to get away with when it comes to being officiated by different crews. So you knew that coming into it. But even that probably wasn't going to save them because before this game, um, Dallas was fifth in most penalties called against them, and the Raiders were seventh. So you had two of the most penalized teams going into a game being officiated by one of the crews that caused the most penalties, and it's no surprise when you combine those two things together that this happened. So when you think about it, the refs are probably just doing what they normally do, calling a game the way they normally call it. They're not doing anything different. They're not trying anything new because we are two and a half months into the season. So I blame the coaches for both of these teams for not preparing their teams for what type of game this was going to be and that thus this led to a game where they looked very undisciplined, where they were trying to get away with too much, and where those penalties and at the end of it ended up costing Dallas the victory because everybody knows that the Cowboys are probably two times better than the Raiders. So something like this had to happen in order for them to lose this game to the Raiders on Thanksgiving on their own home field.
But let's stop pointing the finger. Let's point the finger inward as far as the coaches, the coaches blaming themselves and the players blaming themselves as well. In particular, I hate to keep beating up on him, had the worst game of his career, Anthony Brown. So, you know, a lot of times, and the Bible talks about this too, before you go pointing the finger and looking at other people, sometimes you got to look at yourself first. All right, point number two, Aaron Rodgers is probably starting to lose his mind and become a cartoonized version of himself. Uh, This week, once again, he's talking, he's being weird, and he's being a distraction whether he wants to admit it or not. So he did his weekly interview with Pat McAfee. He goes on his, his show every week, and that's where he tends to disseminate his real message to the masses. So this week he was talking about uh, a toe, the toe injury that he had in the game last week against the Vikings that, um, you know, if it affected his play, it didn't affect him much because he still ended up with about 385 passing yards for touchdowns. I mean, they lost the game, but he was fantastic in that game. But he was talking about the toe. So he jokingly, quote unquote, mentioned having COVID toe, which is a real condition that certain individuals have gotten when they've had COVID. So after this, it was a publication in New York. It was either the New York Times or the New York Post. And he called this person out by name the next day who wrote an article about this, that Aaron Rodgers had COVID. So given that he was diagnosed with COVID, what, several weeks ago, and it forced him to miss a game and not play very well in the game that he came back to. So the next day he had a, had a session with the media. And Aaron Rodgers, in order to dispel what he called disinformation, which tends to be a code word used by the by the lunatic sort of right wing. They sort of love using that word disinformation. That's only a hair's breadth from actually saying fake news, which is probably what he's going to say in his next conference with the media. But anyway, to dispel the disinformation to him, this is him talking, man literally takes off his sock, pulls out his toe and shows it to the cameras uh, with, that were there as he's talking to the media in order to show people that, no, I don't have COVID, so that wasn't serious, that was disinformation, quote-unquote, and that it's actually a fractured toe, which you shouldn't be saying anyway when you have Aaron Donald, who's about to be chasing you all over the field this Sunday. But I've never seen something so bizarre as that that a quarterback did in an interview, and I've watched a lot of interviews. I've watched a lot of football in my lifetime, being almost 40 years old, but I've never seen something that looked that bizarre. But it's becoming to – it's starting to be on brand for Aaron Rodgers that – just all this weird off-the-field distraction crap that's not really not even that football-related that he keeps bringing on himself. And then when someone talks about it or criticizes him for it, then he lashes out at them as if they're the one who started it. This whole COVID talk thing started because he, he was the first one who mentioned it. He mentioned it about himself. So then how are you going to get upset when the media latches onto that and they write about it? So he ends up pulling out his toe in order to dispel that myth in his conference with the media. I believe it was on Wednesday. And that's, can you imagine Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or even Peyton Manning doing something that ridiculous? And it just shows me just how unfocused that he is, how much he's starting to enjoy all these stories and these off the field distractions. And that, you know, this is becoming, this is starting to be his brand from all the crap in the offseason with the team to him catching COVID and going on Pat McAfee and just announcing his thoughts and his theories and his months of research about the vaccines, quote-unquote, and now Togate. So this is, this is just this is stupid. This is one of the things, when we look back on the season, this will be an explanation why the Packers aren't going to go as far in the playoffs as we know that they have the talent to be. I mean, injuries on the team notwithstanding, this is just so ridiculous. This is like a man who's breaking down before our very eyes, and it will have repercussions on the football field. Mark my words. 
Lastly, point number three, um, no one maybe outside of Aaron Rodgers of the Cowboys this week has had a tougher week than LeBron James. We have the incident first that happened, I believe that was on Sunday, a Saturday or Sunday against the Detroit Pistons, and we talked about this on our Monday show uh, about the incident that he had with Isaiah Stewart, where Isaiah Stewart, playing tight end for the Detroit Lions, went through about 20 people to unsuccessfully try to get to LeBron James for uh, cutting him below the eye, making him bleed. Was it dirty? Was it not? Was it an accident? Was it not? No one truly knows. Everybody has their opinions. But that made LeBron look bad. He missed the game at the MSG on Tuesday, serving a one-game suspension. Then he came back the next night as the team was on an East Coast swing playing against the Indiana Pacers. And in that game, he was fantastic. He was vintage LeBron, 39 points. They won the game. But he was fine for an obscene gesture that you can find all over YouTube. I mean, kind of comedic to me. I know where it came from. And the movie Major League Two, Sam Cassell did not start that. That was Major League Two, Pedro Serrano, who did that in the movie. If you see the celebration, you'll know what I'm talking about. And you'll see why he was fine. And then he, in that same game, has two fans thrown out. Uh, who knows what they said or whatever happened, but you don't see that very often. And we know that fans, I, my personal belief is that fans are too close to the NBA action. That Those front rows should not be there. They should move them back, but that's for another day. But he has those two fans thrown out, which kind of made him look a little, a little sensitive, a little soft to some people, but it happened. And then he was also given a warning for profanity used in that game. So Braun was on some other stuff. He wasn't himself in that game. And then... That culminates with Friday night, his team losing to the Sacramento Kings in triple overtime, I mean, despite the fact that he had a very good game. Obviously, played 50 minutes in that game, but they lose the game to the Kings and end up going 10 and 11. And when you think about it, when you think about, let's say, the past 10, 12, 15 championship teams in the NBA, you rarely don't see them start this way. Obviously, this Lakers roster is older than probably any roster anyone has seen of this generation. And, um, you know, you you just don't see teams having these kinds of issues or these kind of difficulties, at least in the NBA, early in the season. So it's like the more that these types of things happen, the more that it really becomes about things other than basketball, even if it happens on the basketball court, makes it look as though the Lakers are getting further and further away from having the type of rhythm, the type of mindset, and the type of focus to really be a championship team this season because it is very wide open in the East and the West. And there are some teams playing some really good basketball. We know that. We know the Suns are on a 15-game winning streak. We know the Warriors are playing fantastic basketball. We know the um, the Nets are number one in the East. We know the Bulls are going to be there. We know the Heat are going to be there. We know that the Knicks are probably going to turn things around. They're, right now they're in a play-in spot, as are the 76ers, who had, have had Joel Embiid out for the last week and a half or so. So it's going to be tough, but it's, it's still wide open. So – this is as good a season as any for a roster like the Lakers that's that old to really make it through the Western Conference playoffs and at least get to the finals. But with all these distractions with LeBron's injury, with Westbrook's problems, with AD always being a second away from getting injured with how old the roster is, et cetera, that under the banner of being the Los Angeles Lakers, meaning that you're the focus and you're the circus no matter where you go, it's starting to look more and more like, yet again, this is not going to be the season for the Los Angeles Lakers, just like last year wasn't for its own set of reasons. But I'm hoping, as a LeBron fan, not a stand, a fan, I'm hoping that his week this week is much better. And it's, it's going to have an interesting start because on Sunday night, that's where you have the rematch between the Pistons and the Lakers. This will be in L.A. So Isaiah Stewart and LeBron James will be on the court again. Hopefully nothing as raucous as what happened a few days ago 
uh, happens again, but I'm sure that Isaiah Stewart is going to let his presence and his feelings be known in this particular game. So stay tuned. Uh, we may be talking about that on Monday. All right, we do this every week. Frozen five NFL picks for week 12. Um, had a rough go of it last week. We went one and four. Uh, so we look bad. We look forward to getting back on the winning track. I have some picks, as always, that I feel very confident in. Make sure you get a look at the OSG report on uh, our medium, our medium page on the medium app, as well as uh, check our Twitter page, check our website for the report as well to make your daily fantasy roster adjustments. So with that, we are going to go into this week's Frozen Five for Week Twelve. The first Panthers at the Dolphins. The Panthers are a minus two and a half point favorite. And I'm going to take the Dolphins plus the two and a half. Uh, this Dolphins team quietly has been playing much better football the last three or so weeks. The kind of football we thought that a Brian Flores co coach team was going to play. Uh, they've had four straight covers. So this last month, they've been making people money against the spread. And you can tell that Cam, being in Matt Rule's system, being back with the Panthers, going into his second start, is still learning the playbook. So he is still going to be limited. And this Miami defense has been much better. Over the last three games, they're only giving up 13 points a game. So that's been a big part of the reason for why they've been able to make somewhat of a resurgence. And Tua has been uh, efficient. He's been managing the game well, cutting down on the turnovers, making better reads. So he's part of what's been helping the team to perform better. So I like Miami at home. Were they in Carolina, I wouldn't like it. But I like Miami having that home crown and the comfort of being at home, plus the points. Whenever you bet, always try to find home teams getting you the points. So I'm going to take the Dolphins in kind of an ugly game, a game you aren't going to want to watch in a close one, 23 to 20, not needing the two and a half. Titans at the Patriots. The Patriots are a minus six and a half point favorite, and I'm going to take the Patriots minus that six and a half very easily. The Patriots, one of the best teams in football, have covered five straight because Matt Jones has been clinically efficient, and that defense has been fantastic. Uh, over the last five games, the offense is averaging 35 points a game, and the defense is holding teams over the last five games to 10 points a game. And this Titans team, I'm sorry, they're depleted. They're, the cupboard is bare. No Julio Jones, he's been on IR. No Derrick Henrys, he's been on IR. No A.J. Brown now, who goes on IR for the next three weeks. And Bud Dupree, who was their prized offseason defensive acquisition, was has been on, uh, on IR since last week. And that's a big part of the reason why that Tennessee defense looked the way that it did. So you can't expect to go into Foxborough with all of those with that depleted of a roster especially on offense and expect to be the greatest coach in the nfl so this is fairly easy i take the pats to win in a fairly easy one 29 to 13 covering the six and a half eagles at the giants the eagles are a minus three and a half point favorite and i'm going to take the eagles minus three and a half the eagles have covered three of their last four and as a road team, they are 4-2 against the spread because this rushing attack with Jalen Hurts spearheading it has pretty much been unstoppable. And having gotten Miles Sanders, their best running back last week, definitely helped to booster that rushing attack. So this last five games, the Philly offense has scored 32 points a game on average. And Dan Daniel Jones, I'm sorry, I liked him. I wanted him to be good, but he's not the guy. 
Again, eight turnovers in the last five games, and we all saw that putrid Monday night performance against the Bucks. So they don't have what they need in order to compete against a team that's resurgent like the Eagles, who the Cowboys better watch out. They might challenge them for that division title. So the Giants are shot. They're done. Fired their offensive coordinator, Jason Garrett, after the game this past Monday. And no one knows who's calling the plays. Maybe it's Joe Judge, the head coach, but of a special teams coach background. Or maybe it's Freddie Kitchens. We all remember him from Cleveland. Maybe he'll call the plays, and we saw how that turned out last time. So this Giants team has good defensive players but no defensive threats. It's a divisional game, though, so it's going to be a little bit closer than you think, and Philly is on the road. So I'm taking Philly to win an ugly one, 22-17, covering the three-and-a-half. Next, we have the Jets at the Texans. The Texans are a minus two-and-a-half point favorite, and I'm taking the Texans minus the two-and-a-half. Come on, man. Houston is just a different team with Tyrod Taylor. They are so much better. They are so much more comfortable and confident with him. And this t Texas defense, they've been playing incredible these last two games. Six sacks and six picks in the last two games, 12 turnovers in the last two games. I challenge you to find a defense that has done that this season. You can't. And the Jets, they, I mean, they're, oh, my goodness. I feel so bad for the Jets. I mean, their O-line is not very good. Yeah, you get Zach Wilson back, but he hasn't played since week eight, so he's going to be rusty. And, you know, the Jets, they just lost their up-and-coming running back, Michael Carter, who's out of North Carolina. He's good. They're not going to have him because of an ankle injury. And this Houston team is 3-1 and one at home versus the spread. So I take Houston to win comfortably, 31-20. to 20. That minus 2.5 is not enough points. Vegas got this, got this wrong. It's the gimme. Take Houston. Lastly, my favorite pick, always my favorite pick every time I do this, the out-of-my-mind pick of the week where you're thinking, Jimmy, what the hell's wrong with you? You're out of your mind. How can you pick that team? Comes to us with the Bucks, minus three-point favorite at the Colts, and I'm taking the Colts plus the three. This close, this close offense is clicking. You saw Jonathan Taylor last week. They've been one of the best in football, 34 points a game um, that this Colts team has been averaging over the last four to five, and they're at home, and you're giving me points. Jason, uh, Jonathan Taylor, again, has become the best running back in football after Derrick Henry went out with his injury. And Carson Wentz, the last five games, 10 total touchdowns, two picks. And those two picks came in one game against the Tennessee Titans. So this Bucks team, I know they just beat the hell out of the Giants. Giants aren't a good team. They're still not quite right. They still have some injuries. They still just don't look the way they're probably going to look in the next three to four weeks as we head into the playoffs. But um, this Bucks team, you cannot bet on them on the road. They are 0-5 versus the spread on the road. And DVOA-wise, which is a Vegas stat that the, the Sharps, the wise guys, the guys who do sports betting for a living that they know very well and that they use and that we use here on the show. So DVOA-wise, the Colts are 11th on offense, Ninth on defense, fifth on special teams, which essentially means that they are top 10 in every phase of the game, meaning that they are really, despite their record, one of the best teams in the NFL. So I'm confidently taking this team. Now, having said all that, Colts fans, unfortunately, the Colts aren't going to win this game. They're going to lose it 27 to 25 in a close one on a fourth quarter field goal by the Bucks, but they are going to cover the three. Bonus picks, uh, take a good look at the Rams in a pick em versus the Packers in Green Bay. Green Bay has a lot of injuries. I talked about the Aaron Rodgers distractions, and the Rams are coming off of their bye week, so that's extra prep, extra rest. 
um, extra time to figure out how to get OBJ incorporated into this offense. And they need this game desperately. I think they kind of need this game more than the Packers because they're coming in on a two-game losing streak and they're losing pace with the Cardinals in that division. So they're going to want to do the best they can with the chance to win that division in order to get at least that first-round home playoff game. So the Rams are going to be extra motivated. Aaron Donald is going to chase Aaron Rodgers all over the field with that fractured toe that may not hold up for the rest of this game. And Jalen Ramsey is going to be all over his number one receiving threat, Devontae Adams. So I think the Rams are going to win this game. And my second bonus pick, Broncos minus two and a half at home versus the Chargers. The Chargers overvalue who they were on Sunday night against the Steelers. It's not who they are. Um, this Denver team is going to run straight through them. They're going to run the ball with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams because the Chargers are one of the worst teams against the run and they're divisional opponents, so they know them very well. So they're at home, only giving up two and a half. So take a good, strong look at the Broncos. Recap, we are going to take the Dolphins plus two and a half, the Patriots minus six and a half, the Eagles minus three and a half, the Texans minus two and a half, and the Colts plus three with bonus picks for you to look at. The Rams in a pick'em and the Broncos minus two and a half. And that is this week's Frozen Five. So, like I always tell people, um, you know, you can play our picks outright if you want because we do research them. We uh, we think about them all week long. We consult experts. We consult stats and research and all that. So you can play our picks confidently. Um, but if you if you choose not to, if you use to, if you use those, incorporate our research and our opinions into your picks, then that just gives you more data in order to make the best picks you can so you can make money. But uh, either way, feel good about those picks. So I hope that they turn out good so we can get to another winning week and get the train back on the tracks. Oh, as always, we appreciate you listening to Unfair Solo Weekends with your favorite solo host, Jimmy. Shout out to the production team, Mike, Bob, and Wendy. Uh, shout out to Jay, my co-host, always bringing the fire on our early week show. To all of our supporters, all of our subscribers and new subscribers on YouTube, we appreciate you from the bottom of our hearts as well. Um, so, uh, you know, I didn't get to the Michigan-Ohio State game. We're going to talk about that more on Monday, but that was a crazy game. Um, recording this during the third quarter of the Iron Bowl with Alabama and Auburn, and Auburn has them down 10-0. So we'll talk about how that turned out. We have Bedlam tonight as well, the game of the week for people around here in our home state, Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State. So we're going to talk about that as well. So a lot of good stuff on our next show. So please uh, stay tuned in, turn your notifications on so that you know when our episodes drop. And with that, please be safe out there. Love yourself, love somebody. Get vaccinated if you want to. Wear a mask if you need to. With that, it's unfair. Peace. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.